So anyways, yeah, so we're going to get back to the book of Numbers. And this is, again, this is kind of going to be part two of, of what we talked about last week. And I apologize, it sounds like every time I turn my head this way, it gets louder. So if that happens, I'll try not to do that so much. Um, so yeah, so tonight, I, uh, I titled the lesson for tonight, Why Our Direction in Life is Important. So I don't know if you guys even remember the cliffhanger I left you last week, but that's kind of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, we talk about direction in life, right, in many instances. As young adults, we talk about finding our direction in life, right? Um, what, what we're going to do next in life, maybe what God might have for us or, or, you know, what have you, job, career, school, whatever it may be. Uh, we need direction in life. Um, we're just kind of floating through, you know, not, not really sure. So, so we need to get ourselves some direction. We talk about those things that especially at a young age. Um, and as adults, we start to say to younger kids, hey, you need some direction in your life. Uh, you need to figure out what you're doing next. And I, listen, that's a difficult thing. Uh, maybe when someone's going down the wrong path in life, we, we say the same thing, right? Hey, man, you need a different direction in your life. You're going the wrong direction. Um, and of course, we have the, the obvious, um, just very simply, the direction that gets us from point A to point B. Right, And so many times in our life we don't even think about, oh, I'm heading east or I'm heading west, unless you're one of those people who really thinks about that sort of thing. You do? Okay. Uh, usually when we give direction, it's usually like, okay, do you know where uh, so-and-so lives? Or do you know where Walmart is? Or whatever. And then you send them up from there. You don't usually say, at least most people don't usually say, well, you head west on, and then you turn and go you know, east or south or whatever. I guess apparently some people do. Not me. Um, so anyways, yes, but, but on our day-to-day, we don't put a lot of, a lot of emphasis on direction, right? Uh, one of the things that I remember Pastor Mark used to say quite often was, if you don't turn around, you're going to end up where you're going. I don't know if you guys ever remember him saying that. Um, if you're going in the wrong direction and you feel yourself, you're, you're going to find yourself in the wrong place, right? So you need to turn around and, and head the right direction. So all that being said, that's our intro. Let's, uh, let's get into the passage and let's get back to what we were looking at last week in Numbers chapter 32. And again, let's see if we can glean some, some valuable information and, uh, on the direction that the two and a half tribes of Israel, Gad, Reuben, and the half tribe of Manasseh, chose to settle in. And if you guys remember last week, the children of Gad and Reuben, uh, they told Moses that they didn't want to move forward into the promised land. Uh, Moses was ticked. He, he gave them the business. Remember, Moses was, was upset about it. Uh, just like your sinful fathers, you know, he, he was mad. Um, you're going to mess up the plan that God has for Israel moving forward. That was kind of what Moses was getting at with them. So let's pick the story back up. And this is after Moses got done uh, giving them a good tongue lashing. And we'll pick up in verse 16 of Numbers 32. It says, And they came near unto him and said, We will build the sheepfolds here for our cattle, the cities for our little ones, but we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place and our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. In verse 18, uh, We will not return unto our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance. And then in verse 19, this is kind of where we're jumping off for our lesson tonight. For we will not inherit with them 
on yonder side Jordan or forward because our inheritance is fallen to us on this side Jordan eastward. They told Moses, remember, dude, listen, chill out on the, hey, you're just like your dad talk, right? Like, calm down. Let us explain a little further what we want to do. Uh, and then in verse 17, they proved uh, they weren't exactly like their fathers. They, they made a deal and, and they said the men of their tribes would arm themselves and that they would go over and that they'd fight for the rest of Israel to get their inheritance in the promised land. Uh, but remember, their flesh and their fear played a big part into them not wanting to go in and settle and take their family and all their possessions into the promised land. In verses 20 through 32, Moses is going over again the details, filling uh, the priest Eleazar and Joshua in on the deal because remember, Moses isn't going with them into the promised land. So he's, he's explaining this to them. And so he says here, uh, listen, here's the deal. The children of Gad and Reuben, uh, they're going to leave their families on the, and, and go west into Canaan. They're going to fight. All the enemies, they're going to wait till everything's defeated. They're going to wait and fight with us until everybody's gotten their inheritance, right, in the promised land. And then they're going to go back and they're going to settle with their families here on the east side of Jordan. And Moses gives the children of Gad and Reuben a warning uh, whenever he's talking to them about all this. And we find it in Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23. And this is the famous verse that um, we have probably heard a lot when we were kids and uh, I say to my kids, right? But if you will not do so, Moses is talking to them. If you don't do the things you promised, if you don't do what you said, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sins will find you out. How many of you guys have had your parents yeah, tell you that, right? Like, listen, your sins will find you out. I'll, I'll find out. God will make sure I get the info I need. All right, so the two tribes, they said, hey, we'll go fight for Israel. And then in Joshua chapter 4 and verse 12, uh, we see that they held up their end of the deal. It says, And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses spake unto them. So they, they did what they said they were going to do. But again, they weren't getting an inheritance. When it was all said and done and the battles were all won as God said they would be, they weren't going to stay there. They weren't going to stay in the West. They weren't going to stay in the Promised Land. Because again, in verse 19, the Reubenites, the Gadites, uh, they said that our inheritance has fallen to us on this side of Jordan, eastward. They already chose what they wanted. Remember we saw that last week? They wanted the land that they saw. Everything they liked was there. They said, this is good. We'll stay here. They, they already chose their inheritance. And then in Numbers chapter 34 and verse 15, it says, the two tribes and the half-tribe, have received their inheritance on this side, Jordan, near Jericho, eastward toward the sun rising. Here we go again. God chooses to tell us which direction they choose to settle. On the opposite side of Jordan, eastward. You see, the problem is, by choosing to settle on the east side of Jordan, and not in Canaan, not in the Promised Land, the tribe of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh have decided not to go forward with the plan that God has for them. And the reason the direction that we choose for our lives and the direction that we choose to settle in is so important is because once we got saved, God had a plan, a specific plan for our lives. And that's your first point there on your, on your outline. is Letter A on your study sheet is God's plan. 
This earpiece is absolutely driving me nuts. So, okay, so what is God's plan for Israel and what is God's plan for our lives? Let's keep going on here. Let's see if we can figure this thing out. So as I was studying, I couldn't help but find it interesting that God specifically mentions the direction. We could, he, he could have just said, hey, um, they're not going into Canaan. They don't want your, their inheritance on that side of Jordan. Hey, they, they decided they're just going to stay here. But God specifically chose to give us the direction that they would be settling in. He tells us they're going to settle in the east. He tells us they're going to settle eastward of Jordan. And listen, we all know, we've, we've been around this church long enough, we know that God never does anything by accident. And if you didn't know that, that's the truth. He never does anything by accident. He never does anything by coincidence. Okay? And there are several times that God chose to teach us about the importance of direction. And this one's not on your screen, but if somebody could do me a favor real quick and look up Psalms chapter 75. Psalms chapter 75, verse 6 and 7. If you got it, just go ahead and start shouting it out. Yep. Okay, so God's very specific with His wording and His directions. Did you see what direction was missing? North. What did He replace north with? Himself, God. So again, God uses direction. He's very specific. He uses direction to tell us something, right? You see, again, God is very well thought out. He's precise in what He says and what He does. So why does God want us to know in this instance, why does he want us to know the direction that these two and a half tribes settled in, that they settled in the east? What does the direction that we settle in have to do with God's plan? And so again, let's, let's figure this out. Let's look at some verses. If we're going to figure this out, let's look at some verses together uh, that we can see and determine what the direction of east represents, okay? Well, let's start by looking at the first time the direction is specifically mentioned, and it's mentioned in the first time in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden, where? Eastward in Eden. And there he put the man who he had formed. Okay, so God creates man. He puts him eastward in the Garden of Eden, right? The Garden of God. And in Numbers chapter 34 uh, in verse 15, where did it say that they settled? It said in Numbers 34, 15. Eastward toward what? The sun rising, yeah. Eastward toward the sun rising. When God created man, uh, that was the beginning of humanity, right? The beginning of humanity. The beginning of man. And what starts the beginning of every day? The sunrise, right? So, where did God place man at the beginning? In the east of the garden. Where does God have the sunrise at the beginning of each day? In the what? East. Good, you guys are giving me a little feedback. I love it. Nobody would say a word in family life. I'd have to ask again. All right. 
So you see God bringing Israel out of Egypt and through the wilderness to the east side of the promised land was just the beginning of God's plan for Israel. It was just the beginning. Not only is the east the beginning of God's plan, east is also the place that is furthest from God and His promises. Let's look in the book of Genesis again. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned away or turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So you see, man's sin drove man further away, right, from God. It, in, in this case, it drove Adam and Eve further away from the tree of life. Now, thankfully for us, once we're saved, we get eternal life forever. Nothing can take that from us. No, no matter how far east we get away from God, we can still have eternal life, thankfully, right? And that wasn't the case here with Adam and Eve. But our sin can do just that. It can push us further east and further away from God. Look at the example a few chapters later in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And in verse 9 through 15, God deals out Cain's punishment for killing, killing Abel. And then in verse 16, it says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the what side of Eden? East side of Eden. So Cain's sin drove him out of the presence of the Lord. Do you see that? And put him further in which direction? East. So you see, God's plan from the beginning was for man to start in the east where he began and work his way west to be closer to God. Let's, let's take a look at the New Testament. Let's look at an illustration from the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 2. And starting in verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Drop down to verse 9. It says, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Again, God doesn't do anything by coincidence. He doesn't do anything on accident. He calls these people wise men. That's interesting, right? The wise men started in the east. They saw something. They followed it to the west, and it just so happens that it was right above where God and human flesh ended up. In a manger, right? That's interesting. They left the east. They saw the star. They traveled from the east to the west to be with God and to give Him honor and worship Him. Uh, I didn't search this out a lot. I didn't give you guys the references, but you can go back and look. Even the way that God set up the tabernacle. He set it up in a way that the way it would be set up is you enter in from the east side of the tabernacle and then you work your way towards the west where God was, the Holy of Holies. 
You see, from the very beginning, God's plan was to provide a perfect place. That was Adam and Eve in the garden, right? God wanted to provide a perfect place that God could dwell with man and man could dwell and grow closer with God. We see God lay this plan out a couple of times. Uh, his plan for, for Israel, especially in, in Exodus. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 17 says, Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in. In the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. And then Exodus chapter 6 and verse 8, it says, I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. You see, God's plan for Israel was not just to bring them out of Egypt, but His plan was to bring them out of Egypt so that He could bring them in to the promised land. And we mentioned last week, you guys remember last week, we talked about the promised land for us is a, is a picture of spiritual maturity. Okay? And so God's plan is the same for us. He didn't want to just save us out of sin, just to save us out of this world and bring us out of the world. He saved us out of sin so that He could bring us into spiritual maturity in an awesome relationship with Him so that we could dwell with Him and He would dwell with us. You see, the East then represents immaturity. It's the beginning, it's the beginning of our life in Christ. That's what we all did when we were immature. We kept messing up. When we were immature Christians, we kept messing up. Sin drove us further from God, right? Sin had us further from God. And in order for us to get to the place and fulfill the plan that God has for us to grow into mature Christians, if we want that, we can't stay settled in the East. And moving forward, if we want to move forward in God's plan, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Man, anytime you want to move forward with God and His plan and grow closer to Him, there's going to be a target on your back. And even as you got into the promised land, as we saw in our text, the closer they got and moving in across the Jordan into the promised land, there were still going to be enemies and battles that they're going to have to fight, right? Before they can actually finally be settled in the promised land. But whether we choose to move forward in God's plan or we choose to settle, we will always, always need God's protection. And that's letter B on your study sheet. Whether we choose to move forward in God's plan or we choose to settle, we're always going to need to rely on God's protection. And here is God's promise of His protection once they got into the promised land, once they went over the Jordan. In Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 9, it says, For ye are not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance which the Lord your God giveth you. But when ye go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord God giveth you to inherit, and when He giveth you rest from all your enemies round about, so that ye will dwell in safety. Here we see, once again, once you get into the promised land and God defeats all the enemies for you, right? you're living a spiritual, spiritually mature life, he says, he, then, then you can dwell safely. Once God, you trust Him, you follow Him, He takes care of it all for you, then you can finally dwell in safety. The two and a half tribes that decided to settle on the east of Jordan, not only did they choose not to move forward with 
God's plan and they miss out on the promised land, they also left themselves with less protection from their enemies. We see that one of the promises in verse 9 was when you go over Jordan, right? Once you go across the promised land, that's when you will, I'll take care of it all, and then you're going to be able to dwell safely, right? Here's the basic reason that God gave them that piece of land. I think, is there a picture of it? Yeah. So if you see Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, they're over here in the east. There's a, that's the River Jordan all the way up through there, and then you have the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea on your, on your left, further west. So God wanted them to have this land, not only because it was a land that He promised them, but because He knew they would be easily protected in there. They had those natural boundaries on either side of them to be able to protect themselves. And when they chose to stay on the east side, there's nothing over there but wilderness. They've opened themselves up. They've left themselves up and open and vulnerable for the attacks of the enemy. But let's look at what happens. Because they chose to settle on the east side of Jordan, uh, look at it with me in 1 Chronicles 5, starting in verse 9. It says, And eastward he inhabited it. Uh, this is talking about Reuben here. Okay, Talking about Reuben first. Uh, the tribe of Reuben, excuse me. And eastward he inhabited unto the entering end of the wilderness from the river Euphrates, because their cattle were multiplied in the land of Gilead. So we're just being refreshed on why they chose the land. And in the days of Saul, they made war with the Hagarites, who fell by their hand, and they dwelt in their tents throughout all the east land of Gilead. And the children of Gad dwelt over against them in the land of Bashan uh, unto Salkaha, Salka, Salka. Um, so we see here the tribe of Reuben and Gad in the east, and they don't have the same protection. They don't have the same safety from their enemies like they would have on the other side of Jordan. All right? They're still fighting battles in the east. Let's drop down in this uh, chapter, 1 Chronicles 5, look at verse 18. The sons of Reuben and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, of valiant men, men able to bear buckler and sword and to shoot with bow and skillful in war, were four and forty four and forty thousand seven hundred and three score that went out to the war. And they made war with the Hagarites, with the Jetur and Nephish and Nodab, and they helped against them, and the Hagarites were delivered into their hand, um, and all were with them. For they cried to God in battle, and he was entreated of them, because they put their trust in him, and they took away their cattle and their camels 50,000, and their sheep 250,000, and of the asses 2,000, and of the men 100,000. For uh, there fell down many slain, because the war was of God, and they dwelt in their steads until the captivity. Okay, so they were on the east side. God still protected them. They were still doing what's right at this point, And God still helped them win these battles from the attacks. Listen, God is still going to, if you're a believer, God is still going to protect you. He's still going to be there, right? But do you notice they're the ones being attacked constantly? Did you notice in the one verse where it says how great a warriors they were? Well, listen, you get pretty good at something if you're practicing it all the time, right? If they're constantly having to be battling while everybody else, they're probably getting soft in the promised land, right? It's a little easier in there. God still helped them win. Right? And they still got what they wanted. Did you notice it said that they got to continue to add to their cattle and their sheep and their possessions? They were still getting what they wanted. 
Things were still great, right? But settling in to live their life on the east was still a struggle. They were still fighting. The enemies, the battles, they just kept coming because they were easy targets. If they would have followed God's plan for them and they would have went across the Jordan into the promised land, they wouldn't have struggled so much, would they? And this is a great picture for us. When we choose not to follow God's plan for our life and we decide to settle, we push ourselves further from God and His promises and His protection. And as believers, things get tough when you're further away from God spiritually. We struggle. We battle. Our flesh gets stronger. The enemies get stronger. Our flesh, for sure, gets stronger. And I've said it many times, the hardest place, the worst place as a believer that you can be is not in God's will for your life. When you're not following God's plan for your life, man, that's difficult. Some of the most miserable people you'll ever meet. Some of the most most miserable people you will ever see. And some of them attend here every Sunday. But they're not following God's will for their life. They're not following God's plan for their life. And they just hate life. They're just waiting for the rapture so they don't have to live down here no more. Man, most Christians who struggle, it's because they decided to just settle in the east. Uh, When we settle or we travel further away from God, again, we make ourselves more vulnerable to fall under attack by the enemy. Listen, I think of this in my own home, right? In my family. If my family is at home, I feel safe. They feel safe. I feel like I'm in control somewhat. I can protect them there. The further my family gets away from home, the less I know the land, the less I know what's going on, the less I'm aware of the surroundings around us, the less I can protect them, right? When I take my kids to school or they're at a friend's house or they're going wherever, they're not inside my home, man, I can't protect them the further they are away from me. Look again at Genesis chapter 13 and verse 11. It says, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed, which direction? East. And they separated themselves one from another. That was him and and Abraham. We looked at this passage briefly last week. Lot allowed the lust of his eyes to cause a reaction in his flesh, and he journeyed east. And Again, we know how that story ended. It didn't end well. He found himself further away from God. He continued to get further from God's protection. His soul was vexed, and he found himself at one point sitting in the gates of the most wicked place of all time. Ultimately, when we choose to settle further away from God and His protection, we struggle, and then we fail. Just like we saw with Lot. Ultimately, the same thing happened to those two and a half tribes that settled in the east of the Promised Land. We read about their fate in 1 Chronicles 5 again, in verse 23 it says, And the children of the half-tribe of Manasseh dwelt in the land, drop down to verse 25, and they transgressed against the God of their fathers and went a-whoring after the gods of the people of the land whom God destroyed before them. And the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Paul, king of Assyria, and the spirit of that guy, because that's a long, weird name, <laughs> king of Assyria, And he carried them away, even the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and brought them unto Hala and Habor and Hara to the river Gozan, Gozan, uh, unto this day. 
So remember last week, um, we said that God would give us what we want. He isn't going to force anyone to follow Him, right? We talked about that last week. The children of Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they knew all of the promises that God had promised them that would be on the west side of Jordan in the promised land, and they chose not to follow God's plan. And they chose not to receive all of God's protection, which ultimately led them to being the first tribes of Israel to fall spiritually, we see here, and also to be defeated and taken back into captivity. When you think about this story, isn't this just one of the many Old Testament stories of Israel that you're like, man, they're so stupid. This could have all been avoided, right? This could have all been avoided. All they had to do was just go west. Just go west. Just cross the Jordan. Go fight and take the inheritance that God already said was yours. Right? The Lord already told them to do that. And yet we know the nation of Israel in the Old Testament is a picture of the New Testament believer. So speaking to ourselves, this picture we're looking at, listen, it doesn't have to be a reality in our lives. This can be avoided. All we have to do is follow God's plan for our lives. Don't stop at the beginning of God's plan, right? Don't settle. Don't settle just because it looks nice, just because you have a lot of things and you're afraid of what moving forward in your relationship and your walk with God might look like. Don't settle in the east further from Him and vulnerable to the attacks and the pitfalls and the potential failures. Move west across the Jordan into, the, into Canaan, into the promised land, and receive all of God's promises that He has for us. And the last point, that brings us to the last point that we're going to look at, and that is all of God's promises. Let's look at God's promises that He has to offer and all that His promised land has to offer. Man, I think this is one of the best descriptions of the promised land. Listen to what this says. I want you to really just listen to the words and all that God promised them. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 6. It says, Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. Man, just follow my plan. Just follow the plan that God has for our lives. In verse 7, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains, and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and land of oil, olive, and honey. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Listen, I love bread. My wife tells me, stop eating it. You're getting chubby. I can eat it without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. This is how great the land that God promises us is. There's nothing you're going to lack for there. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Man, it's got building materials even. You can make some good stuff out of that. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which He hath given thee. In Deuteronomy 11 verse 9, it says it's a land that floweth with milk and honey. Deuteronomy 11.10 For the land, whether thou goest in to possess, possess it, it is not the land of Egypt from whence she came out of. Man, this land is way better than where you just were. Isn't our life with God way better than it was without God? 
I got saved when I was eight years old, but man, I could only imagine what my life would have been without Him. It says, It's not the land of Egypt from whence ye came out, where thou sowedest thy seed, and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land, whether ye go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. This land is so much better than the flat, dry land of Egypt that you came out of, that I brought you out of. And when he says this thing about it waters with thy foot, I was like, that is really weird. Well, how are they watering land with their foot? So I, I looked it up. And what they had to do was, because the land was so dry and barren, they had to, any source of water, they had to dig with their foot or something, a trench to wherever their garden would have been. And then what they did was they took their foot and they would pile up all the dirt beside the trench they just dug so that the water wouldn't just spill out away from everything. That was the only way they could get water to whatever it was they planted. That's what he's talking about there. You don't have to do that with this land. You don't have to work that hard. It's going to be flowing. It's going to be fountains. It's going to be rolling off the hills. Anywhere you plant, it's going to get watered. You're going to have access to all of it. This land is going to have brooks and springs and fountains and hills and valleys. Man, listen. This verse, when I, this, this verse is awesome. Verse 12. In the land which the Lord thy God careth for, the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even until the end of the year. How awesome is that? When we get into the promised land, when we grow and we get into spiritual maturity and in a relationship with God, that land, that promised land, that spiritual maturity that we get into, God is keeping an eye on us 24-7, 365. He says, I'm watching it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. In the beginning of that verse, he says, a land the Lord thy God careth for. God cares enough about us to keep track on us, to keep track of us. He cares for that land. He's always keeping his eyes on it to make sure. Why? Why is he keeping an eye on it? Why, is he, why, is he, why does he care so much about it? To make sure that it's always in perfect condition for you to live a long, happy, and safe life there. Because just like I mentioned earlier, God's plan all along was to have a perfect place where God can dwell with man and man can dwell with God and grow closer to Him. Right? And He says, man, I'm keeping an eye on it for you. I'm watching it. I'm making sure it's good for you. But we miss out on all of that when we allow our flesh and our fathers and our fear to keep us from less than God's best. We can't settle on the east side of Jordan. We have to follow God's plan and stay under His protection so that we can receive all that He has promised us that we can have when we let Him lead us into the promised land, into spiritual maturity. And that's all I have for you guys tonight. There's a few other verses there on your paper. Um, I think if you want, you can jot these down. If you want to just take a look at these, and these, again, are some promises that God gives us. James, or excuse me, John 10.10. James 4, 8, and 2 Peter 1, 4 through 11. Are those on your sheet? Okay, cool. So if you guys want to look through those, those are some more promises that God gives us. But man, don't settle. Let's move forward with God's plan to grow into spiritual maturity and, and look at those verses. All that God has for us, it's more amazing than Egypt. All right, let me pray real quick. Dear God, I just come to you and uh, thank you for your word. 
Thank You for everything that You've given to us, Lord. Everything that You've promised, promised to us, Lord, it's, it's on us. It's up to us. You, you desire a relationship with us. You desire to dwell with us and in us in a safe place in spiritual maturity, Lord. And man, it's up to us to not settle in the East for less than what You have for us. And I pray that tonight we would all make those decisions in our lives, whatever they may be, to not settle for anything except for your best and what you have for us. And that we would move forward into your promised land and that we would enjoy uh, spiritual maturity with a, in a life with you. We love you. Give us all a safe trip home. In your name we pray. Amen.